and welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns, your host for today, and today we are recording on the 28th of May 2020. And before we get started, I need to say that uh, if you would like a free copy of the magazine, then please click the link in the description. Without further ado, we'd like to welcome Rob Jones. Hi, Rob. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for, uh, for inviting us. Now, people from other parts of the world or country might may notice that our accents are are almost similar. So it's nice to have a fellow sort of local on board here on the podcast. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Like it's not a uh, it's not that big a world the property industry. So Absolutely, it's a bit kind of local is good. Definitely. So Rob and I have crossed paths in Chester in the property world a few times, and it's great to have him on the podcast today to talk about what he has been up to. So um, we're going to be talking about the lockdown but trying to take a more positive angle and and looking for people who are maintaining their portfolios and actively you know making a profit during this time because that's the whole point of business is that we can stay afloat and make a profit so we're we're, you know looking for to interview people who um who are managing to do that and Rob has got lots of different things going on so lots to cover today Rob tell us a bit about your background and how you got into property yeah, sure. So I won't go, uh, well, I can go back as far as you want, but I won't kind of cover it uh, too deep. But we started in 2005, really, got started in kind of property with my first buy to let, which was a car crash of a purchase for lots of different kind of reasons. But it was a good start. It was a good eye opener to kind of the property industry. Um, and then 2006, 2007, started to work for an estate agency. So learn property from the kind of the buyers and the seller side of the transaction by working as a, a negotiator and a property valuer um, in the estate agency. And then 2007 gave my notice in to kind of go self-employed as a property sourcer. Um, and literally just as I was kind of starting, all the headlines started to hit about kind of the property potential crash and the banks and what was happening kind of in America. So uh, potentially the worst time or potentially kind of the best time to get started, depending on how you look at it. But it was a Again, a good grounding really for, for kickstarting the next phase of what I did in property, which was primarily around property sourcing. Um, and that grew a, a portfolio for myself and for investors um, since then, really. What, what, what was it about property sourcing that like, you kind of started on that path? Because it's kind of sometimes for people, they're, you know, they're just about the HMOs or they're just about service coordination. Yeah. Um, and this is like a different angle that you've taken to what a lot of people do yeah you kind of um not necessarily fell into it but the experience within the estate agency was really good for lots of reasons but it didn't touch on specifically investment and um, what it did give was a good grounding on how to value properties how to um, negotiate how to um, assess properties when you're going out to kind of have a look at them so all of those fundamentals really help when you're actually building either your own portfolio or working kind of with investors and at the time when i first went um, self-employed sourcing was a, a good way to build um, my own portfolio because I was actively finding properties for myself, but also help and work with investors um, to their portfolio as well. So it allowed me to continue to do more deals than I could personally do on my own um, and grew that kind of um, side of the business and, and side of the network really. And it was a natural transition then to, to move into other types of strategies, always UK, kind of always residential, um, but across multiple different uh, property types, tenant types and the locations as well. Okay. And how did you go about getting started? Because I, th- I see sourcing, there's many different kind of facets to that. Is on the one side, you've got to go out and find the properties, but at the same time, you need the investors and you yeah. need to be building that list, building the, those relationships, weeding out the people who are serious and who aren't. And 
you know there's there's a lot involved in being that kind of middle person bringing everything together so yeah, definitely did you start with investors or did you start with the properties it's and really tricky isn't it so we started <laughs> yeah definitely like we, when i started i didn't have and this might sound strange i didn't have a plan in as much as it wasn't going to be a case of i'd definitely go out and, and just kind of figure out the investor side or figure out the property side i naturally fell into the property side because that's where my experience was within the estate agency and as i was sourcing deals i then kind of came to a stage where i was like this is not right for me but it could be a perfect fit for another investor um, and started to build out a bit of a network from there and as we grew on the sourcing element of it and we were finding more and more deals we were limited on the number of investors we had to work with and i'm quite introverted my natural nature isn't to go out there and do networking events or anything like that so it's quite tricky to try and build that investment side of it um, and what we did at the time was which worked really well and it's kind of been the catalyst for how we've built all the businesses today was we partnered with another company that had the kind of um, the business around investors where they were always looking for new properties and new stocks so just doubled down on that really focused on finding the properties partnered with them and we introduced properties to them and built up a, a good partnership and and then eventually kind of moved back and forth in that transaction where we got to a stage where different phases of growth of the business and uh, we were more established with the investors and then constantly needed more stocks so we then started to partner with other people that had the stock and and kind of dipped in and out of, of those two models and um, to where we are kind of now really okay and did you end up working with the investors to grow your own portfolio or was that like, did you just kind of just do that on your own separately? Both. So I started only with the intention of building my own portfolio. I didn't have this plan of doing joint ventures um, with investors on day one. It was always a longer term vision of creating a pension plan, creating kind of passive income and the ability to, to kind of do what you want. That was always the kind of the, the dream, if it were. Um, and as part of that process, started to focus on mainstream kind of buy-to-lets, property you could just buy, do a little refurb and keep hold of it and, and rent it out. And as we developed and as we grew, some of the investors we were working with showed um, interest in doing larger deals. And that could be more properties or larger refurbishments or different types of properties like the HMO side of things. And as we were looking at those deals and looking at um, the potential within them, it was a natural fit to do it as a partnership or as a joint venture rather than just doing the sourcing elements. So we did do... Um, multiple deals with investors on a sourcing basis but as that relationship developed we then started with some of those same investors to do joint ventures so that's how we naturally transitioned from um, like a, an individual transaction if it were from one property through to doing kind of multiple deals with people okay and is it your portfolio uh you know are you just around the hmos or do you have a mixture of different types of investments so it's a mix we've got about four businesses now within kind of the property industry that cover different things um, and the portfolio side of the business the properties we have in there is a mix between straightforward buy to let and they range from one bedroom apartments through to three bedroom semis um service accommodation and also hmos and we've kept a different um balance of the portfolio at different stages so sometimes we've been more um, heavy on that say the hmos and then we've tried to uh, readjust the portfolio so it's got hopefully a, a bit of a balance to weather different storms as, as they come absolutely and how have you found then the you know recent events how have you been impacted in the different areas of um so the single lets versus hmos and uh, are your hmos are they for students professionals no they're all professionals um not because uh, of any other reason than the location we focused on tends to be all locations we focus on tend to be more suited to professionals and um, students can be great for hmos and um, but we just never 
went that route. Um, the properties that we have, the balance of tenants has been um, quite split as well. So we have some properties that are professional tenants, um, some properties that are HMOs, some properties that are, uh, as you said, sort of one bedroom apartments through to the largest HMO we've got is a nine bedroom HMO. So there's a, a mix of um, tenant types, a mix of geographic locations. Um, and a mix of impact really because of obviously what's happening kind of around the world at the moment it's it's impacting lots of different ways but in the the, the rental side of what we've seen across the board it averages around 10 percent currently of what we've seen is impacted with tenants and that's not 10 percent um of tenants being in default or arrears but where they put their hand up and said we i might be in difficulty in a month's time or two months time because of my job or my industry um, and luckily, such would at the moment, we've been uh, we've been very lucky with all tenants managing to keep their jobs, managing to keep paying rents, um, and the portfolio has kind of weathered quite well. But it's been tricky for properties that are vacant, where we've had a, a tenant move out just before kind of coronavirus kicked in, or tenants that have um, needed to, to kind of give notice for, for whatever reason during kind of coronavirus. So we need to make a decision then and say, when is the right time to open up and do those viewings? How are we going to do those viewings? Um, and yeah, how do we use technology maybe to, to make that approach a bit better? Yeah, I think it's uh, that seems to be the theme across the people that I'm speaking to is that people who are they or the tenants they were expecting to pay have paid on the most part. Yeah, it's just those empty rooms that have you know the profits down a bit or definitely. Yeah. So, and that's the same with what we're seeing with um, our letting agent contacts as well. So when we speak to letting agents, it seems to be uh, and certainly some areas that are a bit more impacted than others. Um, student HMOs, as you mentioned, uh, are yeah potentially um, hit harder because accommodation is shut down in, in a way. But the properties that we've got, the letting agents that we're speaking to, the types of tenants and locations that we cover it, it's quite a nice um, diversified kind of balance, really. So it's meant that we've uh, we've weathered the the current situation. Um, yeah, touch wood. Okay. Yeah, and how at this point, what kind of vibe are you getting from the tenants in terms of the next the next couple of months? Are you optimistic about yeah really optimistic and the, the and the conversations we're having with them are all positive as well so very early on we made the decision um and it was led by the letting agents to be fair to, to kind of engage with the tenants and have a conversation and say let us know if you're going into difficulty rather than waiting for a scenario where they they kind of wait too long or there's a problem so that you can um really as i said put their hand up and say yeah we've got potential issue in a week or a month or, or two months time but the current conversations are all positive um people are uh, managing to, to kind of balance income quite well because of obviously the benefits with things like furlough as well for, for lots of industries um but the general both yeah, trend and thought and, and sentiment within the industry and the tenants that we're speaking to is is overall quite positive and quite buoyant and i hope that continues i hope it's not yeah just a current scenario but it's all good at the moment absolutely and so the hmos and and that portfolio is just part of um some of the other things you do you mentioned before so uh what are the other businesses that um you know that you're working on at the moment and how have they been impacted yeah so there's four aspects to um the different businesses we do so one of them is the the rental portfolio we have and um, the second is kind of the development um, business that we, that we had uh, i do with a business partner as part of that we made a decision to um, slow down on some of the acquisitions that we were kind of doing more recently. So we didn't have any developments uh, in play, let's say, as kind of coronavirus hit, which was helpful because there's, there's lots of developers we're speaking to at the moment that are struggling with materials or trying to get people on site or trying to finish projects. Um, so we've managed to, to be okay with that more than uh, luck rather than anything in terms of timing. And then the third business that we have is Property Investments UK, which is a, a 
website where we create lots of content around property and buy to let HMOs, different strategies. And that's been impacted in a couple of different ways. And it kind of spoke just before we kind of came on the call. It's just a really weird time is the easiest way to kind of describe it. So we look at different trends within Property Investments UK and we see early signs of, um, let's say, people's interest within the property market by looking at our website traffic and seeing how many inquiries we get coming through to the site or how many people join maybe a mailing list or subscribe to a YouTube video. And, and that started to slow down really in March probably mid-March when lockdown started to kick in by about half. So we saw website traffic dip by about half, leads dip by a similar amount. Um, and then the month later, we started to see website traffic increase, but leads increase at a bigger tempo. And then now where we are in kind of May, we've seen website traffic get back to the level we were at, which is about 55,000 monthly website visitors um, and leads being higher than what they were pre um, kind of March levels, if it were. So it's yeah, just a real, really weird combination of um, kind of data sets and, and interesting insights into what people's views are of um, the property market. Because as soon as kind of lockdown hit, I think a lot of people just put everything on hold, just weren't sure what to do. And sometimes making no decision is kind of the right decision. You just want to wait and get a little bit more information, see a bit more news coming through, try and understand if everybody's kind of okay, family, friends, work colleagues, things like that. So it's quite a weird time kind of May, uh, sorry, March. And then mm. kind of now come back into May, we started to see signs of, of everything opening again. And from what you've seen in this, you know, the last few short weeks, how is that? you know are you thinking are you getting an indication for how things might go in the next yeah, couple so of months or I know I've, no one can say but what's your feel for it yeah it's crystal ball stuff isn't yeah. it so I, I wrote an article recently on my views for 2020 in the property market um and different people have different views some people and and driven by the media in lots of ways as well trying to create sens sensationalists although i would mm. uh, kind of headlines around property markets going to crash or there's going to be um, this impact kind of to the property market. And some people are saying property market is going to increase for, for different reasons as well. My view and our view kind of with, with Property Investments UK is um, somewhat in the middle, a bit balanced in as much as the early signs of what we saw in kind of March and April, we saw website traffic reduce, we saw inquiries reduce, and we saw a number of sales reduce. So the amount of people that we were speaking to that were actively buying, but people were still buying. Um, so people were still making um, sales and buying properties in that time frame. And then when kind of the news hit in May that people were able to start opening businesses again, not all businesses, of course, but in the property industry, able to start maybe kind of doing viewings and estate agencies and Latin agencies were a bit more active. We saw sales spike. So we had a week where we saw more sales than we'd had um, previously ever, like a, a kind of a highest record. Um, so that's a good sign, but potentially signs of pent up demand to an extent where people wanted to make a decision prior um, put things on hold and then were able to make a decision after. But then now that the continuing signs of that is still the same. Traffic is good. Website inquiries are high um, people actively buying. And, and these are conversations we have with different stakeholders. So because of the type of people we speak to in the industry, from homeowners through to sellers, through to investors, state agents, letting agents, um, all of them bar none seem to be seeing a pickup in activity that's um, to the same level or better than, than, than what they were previously. And it might be a, um, a subset maybe of the market that we kind of speak to, but I don't think it is like we're speaking to people in different geographic regions as well. And that they're, they're seeing the same. Um, the thing that I think most people will be uh, hesitant about or unsure about at the moment tends to be around valuations. So even if everybody wants to buy and everybody wants to sell, and it's a really active market, if surveyors are cautious, then that kind of 
limits the ability for, for transactions, lending, and everything gets impacted on that basis. So that'll be yeah, interesting to see how that plays out over the next kind of couple of weeks and couple of months as to, and how cautious or not surveyors might be, let's say, um, yeah, within the industry. So you said before about starting out 2007, 2008. How do you think this compares to then? Um, and what do you see are the opportunities going forward? Yeah, great question. So, and it might be a little bit kind of biased on where I was in 2007. We didn't have the, the wide range of contacts that we do kind of now or the wide range of insights we had into the industry as we do kind of now. But my main, I suppose, memory from 2007, 2008 was a lot of people were fearful about the property market. There's a lot of uncertainty certainly around lending and, and the banks kind of pull in financing quite quick and a lot of people had large portfolios but were exposed maybe with one or two lenders um, and were at risk in lots of different ways so the, the kind of main memory from back then yeah would be one as kind of fear whereas now it's not doesn't seem to be that it seems to be uh, uncertainty definitely is probably the, the key word if it were but most people that we're speaking to in the industry are, are buoyant um, about what's going to kind of happen. Um, as I said, it might be misplaced. It might be a short term kind of thing, but I, I don't think it is necessarily. I think the, the, the stimulus that's been put into the industry generally, and also the economy as a whole has certainly helped um, people maintain some level of confidence in terms of what's going to be happening kind of going forward. And it'd be yeah, interesting to see what, what happens throughout the rest of 2020. But generally at the moment, I'm, I'm more personally, I'm more positive. The people we're speaking to seem to be more positive um, than yeah, 2007, eight. And have your plans changed? So, you know, the, the new year goals at the beginning of January and everyone's got an idea of kind of where they want to head for, for, for the year, but has that changed at all? Yeah. So we had, um, yeah, we had quite interesting plans, quite big plans for 2020. And then as soon as uh, everything started to hit, it was like, yeah, well, maybe we need to review what's <laughs> going to happen here. And, and we need to kind of replan our, uh, our next couple of months. So uh, my, view on life and property generally is in the future anyway like I, I quite enjoy looking at 20 years ahead 10 years ahead things like that um, so a lot of the plans that we do tend to be long term but the nature of where we're in at the moment has forced quite short-term uh, planning so looking at maybe what the next 30 days looks like so what's the next 90 days looks like um, and it's a completely different approach in terms of how we interact with tenants through to the types of properties we might look at for, for new purchases through to um, the type of sourcing we might do um, and then kind of wholesale back into kind of our, our businesses that aren't specifically around our, our holding of properties like the rentals, but uh, Property Investments UK, the type of content we create, the type of investors we speak to, the type of things that they're looking at buying as well, whether that be more interest in HMOs or buy-to-let or service accommodation. Um, and the one thing that we've seen actually, which is possibly kind of interesting as a trend now is a, a kind of a rethink on the type of properties and the types of strategies that people do a lot more people are thinking of quite mainstream properties buy to let again as a kind of the cornerstone of maybe their portfolio because throughout the last couple of months um although everything's kind of been impacted in different ways buy to let for most people has just continued to tick along whereas service accommodation for example for lots of people has just been wholly shut down not being able to trade um hmos some people have weathered it quite well if they've got Kind of housing benefit or social leases or uh, professional tenants some people in the student market maybe less so so people trying to diversify has been a big kind of trend i think if they're mm -hmm. heavily exposed in one particular even geographic region or property type they've changed their thinking and, and, and patterns on what they're looking to do um yeah so it changes our dynamic in terms of what we've been 
maybe planning for for, for 2020, even down to, as I said, the kind of content level and, and the type of content we'll create for the kind of clients going forward. Yeah, it's interesting that because, and I I have picked that up as well in terms of what people are looking for. And also when you see people who are um, offering training as well, the training yeah. has shifted to yeah. the diversification model um, and obviously the commercial to residential market as well, which is, you know, um, arguably the new flavor of the month. So, but really, I don't know whether this, in terms of like service accommodation, for example, for some people, it will be a short impact and, yeah. you know, hopefully the market will pick up again once, you know, the, the portal start opening in and we can move around a lot more. So although everything's being put on hold and for example, that, you know, maybe a year's worth of bookings has gone overnight, actually those should pick back up again. So it's, uh, it's interesting what you're saying about people changing their whole strategy on something that is quite short term when property investing generally a lot of it is for the long term and people are yeah, talking agreed. about being a pension part so maybe it, would you argue that kind of people were too focused on one area and now that it's made them think okay i need to diversify or if they just sort of panic changed what they're I doing i think some people have panicked definitely <laughs> and also just rethought their whole approach in terms of over the longer term which isn't necessarily a bad thing sometimes it's good to get challenged on your ideas and your thoughts and what your strategy is the problem and also the benefit of property. And one of the things I kind of like about it is there's so many options. You could go down um, lots of different paths and routes that can make it a fantastic kind of lifestyle for you personally as an individual based upon your kind of aims in life. But that's also a downside in as much as it's so easy to get distracted. And so trying to keep a core focus is really important. I think now more than ever as well, that helps. But it's, it's also worthwhile considering diversification. So if you are overly exposed in one particular area, whether that's a property type or location, um, for example, it helps to try and spread that in, in some way. And there's certainly a need, I think, for many uh, of us, me included, to try and keep focused on one core thing at any given moment in time. So it's always good to try and do that. And if you have a specific skill set, a specific kind of level of experience, um, I wouldn't say necessarily to wholesale rip that up. There's people we know that are doing really well in commercial property, which has been potentially hit um, the hardest in lots of ways, depending on the type of um, niche they're in within commercial but their focus is very clear over the next 10 20 years that they are more than comfortable with the types of properties they're going to be looking at they're not ripping up anything in terms of plans they're just going to kind of wait it out and it is a short-term thing the current scenario at the moment for many is um this element of uncertainty but there's no reason why that's going to continue for two five ten years it should be a shorter time frame it will be a new normal for sure um, that people are going to be operating in but i don't think it necessarily needs to rip everything up and specifically on the service accommodation because of the stimulus that's been put in there's a few people that have actually done um, okay out of it because of grants and things like that that aren't necessarily radically impacted that can close shop for a couple of months come up for air again um, in a few months time and maybe pick up in the summer market or in the winter market and then depending on how far you think kind of ahead or 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 what sort of patterns you tend to look at there's all signs pointing towards kind of a an increase in uk type holidays because of that yeah. because less people wanting to travel abroad so service accommodation kind of over the longer term and if you look back in kind of go to 2025 and then look back you might think actually well, there's a boom time for service accommodation yeah. because 2021 was really great for lots of reasons so it's so hard to try and plan um but yeah it's kind of touching your point again, really, Michelle. I yeah. think a lot of people are panicking. A lot of people are making quick, short-term decisions and thinking, no, I'm going to radically change my uh, route when it's not necessarily 
wholesale needed. I think taking a taking a breath if you can do sitting down, replanning, and rethinking and, yeah. and strategizing in that way is good. But I think it's like um, I look I'm looking at it in two ways as well. It's not just the uh, the the type of property like strategy if you like. Yeah. So it's not just say like the student HMOs or the service accommodation that have changed in it, you know in their how they're operating and the impact it's having, but also with people reevaluating their values and what's yeah. important to them. It's massive. I think as we, as I'm sure you know, that there isn't a set good deal, if you like, no. that everyone has different criteria and, you know, what might be a sort of a single let better than, you know, you get a better rate than you get in the yeah. bank. Nice kind of solid 8%. That might be, you know, some people kind of might think, do you know what? I actually can't be doing with all the hassle of yeah. you know the, the the more complicate complex strategies. I'm actually quite happy to get a lower return and it just to tick along. So yeah. I think I don't know if that's like a something you're seeing that people are kind of rethinking what they want and what makes a good deal. So yeah, what are, what makes a good deal for you? Yeah, good question. Like my views have changed radically over the years. When I first started out, it was it was wholly about pension plan. Um, below market value was the key thing that I would look for. So if it had a discount, great, I'd be happy to kind of look at it. And what that led to is properties in kind of poor areas, uh, on paper, good yields, but the likelihood is then the tenant profile is maybe not so great, or you've got problem neighbors, or you've got kind of a very low value property, high yields, but your rental income might be 350 a month. Um, which might sound crazy depending on kind of where you are in the country, but that's the reality in some parts of the UK, whereas they don't have um, this kind of high monthly rental cost. But on a yield basis, if you're just focused on yield or you're just focused on discount, I think you can get skewed kind of in the wrong direction potentially. So over the years, as we've kind of built the portfolio, we've um, balanced it out a little bit more in terms of different types of properties, different tenant profiles, different locations, and also just the focus. Like I would quite happily consider now a three bedroom semi with a yield of sort of five, 6%. If the rest of the portfolio meant that the portfolio yield was sort of eight, nine, 10% because it gives balance. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go out and, and wholesale just buy three bedroom semis with, with mm. kind of lower yields. Likewise, I wouldn't go out and just buy um, kind of one bedroom apartments with kind of high yields to try and find that kind of balance in between. And, and that's where we kind of look at the moment, which is um, it's not that kind of, sexy or interesting it's quite boring, boring. but that's there's nothing wrong with that like it, it can work quite well um so a good deal for us now is is kind of something that works over the long term in terms of um ideally a good tenant profile a good location um and then secondary to that we then start to look at kind of what okay, what's the potential for um the yield over the longer term is that likely to kind of be a, a good solid yield what's the um, asset cost does that kind of fit what balanced what impact does it have to our whole portfolio so if we're um feeling like we're overexposed in one area does it balance out in, in kind of some other area um, and then definitely the type of investors that we're speaking to uh, are also looking for kind of that kind of everyone's looking for that perfect deal like unicorn kind of deal that has yeah fantastic discount great yield all those sorts of things but um i think that people's expectations are maybe a bit more balanced now um, and also I think personally, like kind of you and I, Michelle, and also when people kind of listen to kind of the podcast and, and call today might have a, a certain view and bias on what you want specifically as a deal. But the majority, the mainstream are happy looking at quite kind of, again, straightforward, quite vanilla type stuff. And um, there are these niches that do 
great in development or title splits or HMOs or high value, high, um, sorry, yield kind of rental properties by selects. Um, but the majority, like if it's on their doorstep or it's a good condition or if it's a really good tenant profile or near a university, all of these different things trump kind of what they would, uh, you know, what would they consider their, their specific kind of value add really. So it's, it's quite interesting to see everybody's different kind of views when you're speaking to lots of different investors. It's quite nice to see the kind of the balanced, um, yeah, balanced view on the industry. Yeah. And I think different properties have a different purpose as well. And like for me, once you get to a certain point where you get your you cash flow is covered and you kind of reaching those yeah. goals that you set out to, you don't necessarily need a ton of more of those because it just brings a lot more hassle and a lot more yeah. maintenance and all the voids and all the rest of it. Whereas, you know, I think for me, the, there's a shift with, okay, once the, the cash flow is okay, then you're like, okay, now I'm really want the long term asset and the capital yeah. appreciation so you know that's you don't necessarily need to go for the really high yielding ones for the long haul but, yeah you know, that, that's just a personal kind of point of view but no i think that's a really good really good point i think most people would kind of align themselves with that as well in as much as making sure from a cash flow and income perspective you're covered for most people whether that's a job or a career or, or property portfolio is kind of the cornerstone once that's done it opens up your opportunities opens up your eyes to, to what else is is available um, and you don't have to take the same risks you don't have to yeah. look at the same types of um, properties you may be considered when you were starting out and you maybe do want a bit more balance in terms of your approach but the one thing that kind of still surprises me actually now it's kind of this day is when i first started out my view on property was kind of numbers like how many properties can I get like you didn't think about rental income necessarily to an extent or I didn't you didn't think about kind of growth enough you didn't think about tenant types or anything it was like just numbers of properties how do you get kind of one ten hundred whatever it might be and as you kind of develop your portfolio you realize that all that means is you now have that number of roofs and boilers and tenants <laughs> and neighbors and all these <laughs> things to kind of consider so if you had a um a choice i think most people would choose i'd prefer to own buckingham palace and nothing else like yeah. i'll be good with that <laughs> i don't have to worry about everything else that kind of goes alongside it but there's still a lot of people that gravitate towards a number of properties like that is the the cornerstone of what they want to achieve yeah. there's so much more to, to kind of property than that and i think what you touched on there michelle with kind of making sure you kind of your income your cash flow is covered is it once you've got that sorted your your ability to make decisions is is kind of opened up and i think you're able to maybe look at things a bit differently absolutely because you know that the high yielding the high roi uh yeah. properties and investments like there's a reason that they're so high yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time it's more work there's more there's more going on there's more moving parts so yeah it's uh, it's, it's it's i guess it's just different stages yeah, and definitely. And don't get me wrong, we, we said everyone's looking for that unicorn kind of deal. We'd love a property that's got a fantastic yield um, as well as all of these kind of things. And, and the HMOs that we look at and the service accommodation that we look at, that's why we do them to, to add to the portfolio because they offer a different approach to the buy-to-lets, but combined with buy-to-lets, um, depending on, on your aims in terms of total growth or how much rental income you want to achieve or how many properties if, if that is your kind of your, your aim or growth that you want to kind of get having kind of a balance of stuff kind of really helps mm. and we see some people do that um diversification just in buy to let so they might take on a, a higher yielding property in say the north or the midlands and then have some really solid kind of properties yeah. in london because that's just their kind of the, their base and everybody has uh, different ways of kind of looking at it i don't think there's any there's any one perfect route and no. that's the one thing that we've kind of learned over the years is that 
there isn't this kind of one way of doing yeah. it. It's kind of what's right for, for you as an individual. You'll have your own aims and your own dreams and your own kind of ambitions. So it's, it's important to kind of be clear on that, stick to your, your kind of why, if it were, and then, yeah, focus Absolutely. on that. I like the idea of having the least amount of properties, yeah. but the highest cash flow. <laughs> that's yeah, the, uh... definitely. That's, that's the aim. So, um, yeah, do you want to tell us a bit about your your website? Because I've kind of been following it from the uh, outskirts a little bit, just uh, having, having a nose every now and then and, and seeing how it's grown. So it just sounds like really exciting. And um, I know you've been like f- having feedback and, and tweaking things along. So what is the website? What's it about and how does it work? Yeah, so we've got um, two main uh, websites now actually kind of going forward. So Property Investments UK was a site that we started about 2012, which was primarily around um, content. So we do videos or articles around the property market and that's grown over the years, which has been great. And a lot of the investors that we work with in that um, site is more on a kind of one-on-one basis or an introduction basis. We would introduce those clients to, to kind of other parties. And as the site's grown, it's been harder and harder to do those introductions. And the type of um, inquiries that we get are are more varied. So going from a situation where you're working with one or two investors who have a very specific need in maybe an area of the Northwest is great. You're able to kind of manage that. But when you get kind of where we're at now with sort of 50, 55,000 website visitors to the site a month, those expectations, those um, ideas and ambitions of investors are are very varied. So it's difficult to try and find um, the right way to provide kind of properties for those. So in 2018, we set out to look at how we can kind of cater for that at scale and work with investors um, across the UK to not only kind of find the right type of content and introductions for them, but just rethink the whole approach of how you would go from finding a property through to kind of purchasing an acquisition. and that's what we've kind of started to build out recently. So in 2019, we started the development of a new uh, website, a new business called Property XYZ. And um, that site's vision statement is to build the world's most intelligent property platform. Uh, and that's our kind of aim. And that might conjure up different ideas for different people. But fundamentally, we believe it's more than just search. It covers different parts of the transaction. And the aim is to try and cater for kind of all property buyers, but focusing fundamentally on investors. So if you think now you want to go and find a property, your probably starting point might be Rightmove or Zoopla. Um, but it can take hours to try and find a property on those sites. And you don't necessarily have the right data at hand, so whether that's yield or growth or specific information about that property other than the property listing. So that's what we're building with Property XYZ, a way for you to be able to find properties that are um, more suited to you as an investor and then also to be able to research them as well when you do find them. And yeah, we're getting close to, uh, to a public launch of that now. It's really exciting Great, to see that you. kind of develop. Well, challenging uh, right move and Zoopla, you know, starting yeah, small. It's not, yeah, it's not on me. It's not on me. Fee. And when we first started to have conversations with developers as well, they're like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. That'll, be, that'll be an interesting ch- kind of challenge. Um, but hopefully we're, uh, yeah, I think we've got it. Yeah, we've, you know, it's, it's very admirable, very brave and, um, and ambitious. And why not? Someone, you know, yeah. that they started in the same place as you and everyone's got to start up somewhere. And I, I remember when you, when you started to tell me about it and I was thinking, is that what he really means? Is he really going to be like, you know, trying to challenge the the, the big yeah. boys on there? And um, but having seen the website and you you you've got those features in place, and it just looking looking at the website, it, it makes it very easy. Kind of like you know, you tick the box for a potential investment, or you tick the box for this, and it's all those boxes that Rightmove doesn't have. That you, it feels very natural and easy as an investor looking for opportunities. It's like, okay. oh, okay, that's there, and that's you know 
it just seems to make more sense. Definitely. And, and if you're an investor that's looking for a buy to let or HMO or refurbishment, you want to be able to kind of shortlist those properties that are a fit for you. You don't want to search through, and especially if you're agnostic about location, then it's even harder because you go on right move. It's like, okay, I want to buy a property that's 200 to 300,000. You've got so many choices to choose from that you've no idea as to context as to, to any of the, the specific things that are more relevant for you as an investor. So that's the aim. We, and that's what we kind of delivered on really. So we're excited about kind of launching that so, so investors can make it a whole lot simpler to, uh, to find their perfect property. Well, I'm very excited for you and looking forward to uh, hearing about the launch soon. So we'll yeah, actually Keep put the, um, the link into the show notes as well Thank so you. people can, can check it out there and uh, look forward to, to hearing more. And yeah, fantastic. So great. Well, it uh, seems like a good place to wrap up. And um, where can people find out about you and, and what you're up to and the launch? So in the website, is there anywhere else that people can follow you? Yeah, so the, the main websites will be property.xyz. Um, propertyinvestmentsuk.co.uk uh, and then also obviously LinkedIn, YouTube, things like that as well, whichever one, whichever your preference is of, of yeah. social channels, you can, you can find us on. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time thank and I uh, hope to have you back in the future when we can find out all about it. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be good to, uh, to update everyone and yeah, see how you're, you're using the site and how you're finding the deals. Definitely. Thanks very much. Fantastic. And Thanks for, for everyone listening, a reminder that you can get a free magazine in the show notes. There's a link there. So please click on and get your free magazine and speak soon. Bye. Great. Take care. Bye.
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.